morning, Northern Hills. Hey, it's good to be here with you today. Uh, I want to welcome all of you that are joining us online. I want to welcome those of you that have joined us in person today. You dug out of the snow, and it only took you till maybe yesterday to get out of it. Um, it was a little crazy here this past week, but we love our state of Colorado. So again, welcome to our fourth week in getting your life back. Welcome again to everybody out there, no matter what time you're joining us. God is going to meet you today. We're really thrilled about uh, God moving through this series um, as we've just dove into a book by the author John Eldridge. If you haven't checked out this book, you got to check it out. It's called Get Your Life Back, hence the series title. And um, uh, we found that there were some really strong practices that he highlighted within the book that just stood out to us. Some practices that you don't necessarily think about all the time and what to lean into uh, in, in trying to restore your, our souls into spending time with God and maybe spending some more um, specific time around some centered practices. So we've been talking about letting go. We've been talking about kindness towards ourselves. Last week we talked about transition. Now I've been meeting with some individuals over the past couple weeks and it seems like that kindness to yourself kind of thought has just been this light bulb for so many. I want to really encourage you. Pastor John talked about that a couple weeks ago. I want to encourage you to go back and check out that message because I just think it was really enlightening uh, for many uh, individuals, this kindness towards self. We learned so much about loving God and loving others in church, sometimes we don't think about loving ourselves. And so that was a good week. I want to encourage you to go back for that. This week, we are going to be talking about loving God. But before we get into that practice, I don't want to lose you. Stay with me. I believe that it's this practice that's going to bring us to a place of loving him more and, and, and turning our hearts towards him in just a very unique way as we receive him. Um, and I believe there's no other practice that we'll really dive into throughout this series leading up to Easter Sunday uh, that's quite like this one. But I think there's some things that are going to get in our kitchen a little bit as we think about loving God because pretty much every message we go to at the church or that we're checking out on the podcast is in some form or another talking about loving God, loving others. Now, many of us have faith backgrounds, and as such, we've heard many messages about love and loving God. We've heard it said that God is love. And when you've heard it said that uh, way, you've heard a truth. That's a truth because it comes from God's word. Check this out in 1 John 4, 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Again, it makes it a truth. And there are some tr strong possibilities that our souls have formed maybe a little bit of callousness towards the beauty of just that statement, God is love. Because we're all familiar with the loving God conversation and almost, dare we admit it, maybe we're getting a little bored with it. Maybe we're getting a little bit, that's becoming a little bit stale to us. Hopefully not for many of us. But for some of us, we've been in church or church circles quite a while. And so that's something that just, maybe we, it just slips our mind or it just easily goes to the wayside when we hear that. That's part of why we waited till week four to dive into this practice because we felt in the first three weeks we'd be able to spend some more time with practices that were unique or maybe not thought of as much. And we thought I would just be gentle on our souls if they have built some callousness towards that idea. To be honest, uh, we delayed it because some of us have built up so much resistance to the loving God because we're walking through disappointment. We're just walking through sorrows. We're walking through difficult times 
And so the loving God conversation is really difficult for many of us. I just got done having a conversation with a family this last week. And their family has been in it really over the last two or three years. They've had some very unique dynamics approach their family. There's been divorce and divorce proceedings, separation, all the things that tie into that. But this family also found out just recently about um, some sexual things that were happening within the family and just some abuse situations that were taking place. Now, they would tell you that, again, they're still trying to keep their eyes on God, that they're still trying to look towards uh, what he has as a plan for their lives. And they've been set up because of those prior disappointments, knowing God's going to show up. But for many of us, we would seemingly think that that's the worst that could happen. That's the worst encounter that could take place. And yet many of the sorrows that we're engaging with in our own lives, it's, not ju- it's just like this family's. It causes our hearts to question the goodness of God or God's love for us because sorrow just does that. We, I think suffering and chronic disappointment, it brings about the questions to our hearts. And our hearts react. How do they react? I think they react naturally by pulling away. By actually trying to distance ourselves from God. Perhaps not so far that we would ever uh, lose our faith in God or that we would ever abandon God completely. But enough in our hearts where we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt his goodness. We begin to doubt his kindness, his trustworthiness. And so more pointedly, I think even trusting that goodness towards ourselves can become a question. See, life has a way of just eroding that confidence, that confidence in the goodness of God. And I feel like as I even say that, it's really like not saying it with enough weight. Because just to say that it's eroding is, is really a vast understatement. Life is this savage assault. It's a savage assault on that thinking because we're get, we get struck at random with disappointment and sorrow and loss, Right? And so we can question God's goodness towards us. I believe that's what makes it so hard. This whole series in getting our life back has been having to find more depth of meaning in our relationship. And it becomes so hard to receive him in fresh, new, and wonderful ways because we recognize the hurts and the pains that come our way. But what we lose recognition for is his goodness in the midst of that. And if we can recognize that he's still good... If we can recognize that we still have opportunities to love God even in the midst of those moments, maybe that begins part of the healing. Maybe that is one of the levels of what restores our souls. So I'm going to allow me to explain it this way. In this essential dynamic to our soul's relationship with God, I think this is key as we think about restoring our souls this next week. Write this note down. More of God comes to us when we love God. More of God will come to us when we love God. God. The more that we experience him, the more we long for those depth of moments. The nature of God is to be loved. And that's because that's God's nature, but it has a lot to do with our human nature as well, because we understand this with our relationships. Think of your own love story. Many of you have a love story, right? And think of that love story. Think about how it sort of took place and how it uh, came to pass. You, you, You didn't Give access to someone, to the deeper places of your soul, unless you knew they were ready to do the same. It's not like you went up to some random stranger on the street and just gave away your soul and gave all your dreams and your hopes for the future, right? If you did that, you're weird, right? (laughs) That's just a weird thing to do to a stranger. 
Now, we, we found these people in our lives, and, and so we started sharing the deeper parts of our soul. It wasn't just to an idle acquaintance. We decided to do that intentionally. Now, you wouldn't just do that with a stranger, but you wouldn't do that with someone that was also willfully saying, I don't want to spend time with you. You would never reveal your soul to someone that was intentionally trying to distance themselves from you. And we know that from our own experience, that when someone loves us, then we're more ready to be available to give ourselves to them. Do you think that God feels the same way? Do you think that God feels the same way? Second Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Psalm 91.14. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. John 16.27. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me. Here's what's surprising to me, and I put myself in this seat a lot. How can I expect God to pour himself, to pour his blessing, to pour this overabundance into my life if he isn't even the slightest priority in mine? If he's not even a slightest priority in what I do with my day? I mean, think about even some of our close friends or our close family members. Would you give the best of your life to people who couldn't care less whether you existed or not? And this may sound controversial. I know this builds a little tension in us. In fact, I'm getting ready for some emails sent this next week, and it'll be fun to uh, engage with those emails. But that's okay. I want us to think of this thought and, and, and put this within your notes, and maybe you'll spit on it later. God's outpouring of himself is conditional. God's outpouring of himself is conditional. Now, I want to be really crystal clear, so maybe I can at least keep a, a chunk of the emails at bay. I understand what we've been taught and what we've been told about God's unconditional love. The unconditional love of God is unconditional. Let me be very clear with that. Absolutely. God's grace, that's unconditional. God's forgiveness is unconditional. It's available to all. But hear me out on this one. Intimacy with God. The treasure of his presence and the outpouring of his vibrant being into our human souls. That is for those who love him. That's for those who love him. Even in the best of friendships, the act of giving and receiving Love that ebbs and flows with the willingness of the two that are involved to make those, those accommodations for one another. That, that, that make the priority of one another. To invest themselves in one another. And we understand this in the deepest recesses of who we are. We're made in the image of God. And God's heart is very much like ours. So whether you're currently in a place where you're in love or out of love with God... That matters very deeply to him. That matters very much to him. Now, I want, to think, I want us to walk through two simple observations that surround this idea of loving God. I hope it will help us grasp maybe the idea of loving God in a new way, in a, in, a, in a practical way, versus some of the disciplines we go to immediately, prayer and reading the word and, and spending time in fellowship with other believers. All those things are true. 
But I want to lean into these two observations. The first observation, loving God starts with the things we love. Loving God starts with the things that we love. This is our way back to loving God. This, to me, is the proverbial way back home, if you will. What is the thing you love? Child's laughter. <laughs> I got to tell you right now, in our family, we have determined, my wife, Elodie, my daughter, and I have determined that Camden, our 10-year-old's belly laugh, is the best thing going. Like the true laugh. You all have that person in your family. When they laugh, not only do you laugh harder, but when they laugh, there's just something good and right about the world. He doesn't even know what he's laughing about half the time. I'll be honest. He's, he's making up this story, and he's talking about something that took place in school, and he's belly laughing hysterically, and we're just laughing. We don't even know the story, but we're laughing with my son because it makes sense to him, and there's just something about that. What do you love? Do you love your dog? Do you love your cat? We're praying for you if you love your cat. I, I understand that. But what do you love? Do you love that place that you get to go to? Maybe that place that's at home, it's your favorite spot, the garden. Maybe it's not your home. Maybe it's the family cabin. Maybe it's your patio. What do you love? Perhaps a photograph that's placed in your home. A photo that's simply on your phone that you check every now and again. Maybe it's someone that's dear to you, but we start with the things we love. And when we start with the things we love, it's going to draw that connection that God made that thing. He made that person, and he made that place, and he made it specifically for you. He's wired you in such a way to love certain things, and that brings him great joy when you start with the thing uh, that, that you love because he gave you the heart to love them. So you can be out on a walk or out on a run, and you're sort of taking in all those morning smells, and you're taking in all those morning sights, and as you're just running along, or you're walking along, and, and, and maybe having a conversation with God, or not, and just taking in the beauty of nature, and you're sort of like in, your, in, the, in the deepest part of you, you're like, I love this. Guess what? God does too. And he loves that you love that. Our next step should be to say, you know what? Yeah, I love this, and so does God. So does God. He's made those moments, and he's made those things. He's the creator of everything I love. When we do that, our hearts naturally respond towards opening up towards him. It's like throwing your faith a lifeline. It's like throwing our faith a lifeline because every wonderful thing in our lives, those are the gifts that God gives us. And so you might even have a moment. His, his, his heart towards you may be that precious moment that you love. Was it your wedding day? Was it the birth of your children? Was it that vacation overseas that you took for the first time and saw new places and new things? Every moment that you had either been happy or thrilled or comforted or hopeful, that was God and he was loving you. He was loving you in that moment. Such gifts come from the, give, the, the greatest gift giver. Psalm 145, 16. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. No other act, no other act, no other practice is going to be a greater measure of God uh, in your life and the outpouring than loving him, actively engaging our hearts and souls towards him. 
Because when we do, it opens up an area of our lives where we can just breathe him in. But we start, we start with the things that we love. Because reminder, life is going to be the savage assault. Life is going to continue to come at us in waves. And we would be good to remind ourselves that he is that creator of everything we love. So that's the first observation. Start with the things we love. The second observation, continue with loving God in your suffering. Continue with loving God in your suffering. And I want to be clear here. I'm not going to try to put a Band-Aid this morning on your suffering. I'm going to try to make a quick fix of what hurts you and that deep sorrow or that trauma, that suffering that you're going through. Not for a moment would I try to do that. I'm not pretending that those things haven't even impacted your relationship with God your view of God, and maybe there's a healing process that's actually taking place even in this moment. And we'd all be in good company if we found ourselves there because King David in Psalm 22, 1 through 2, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And I think we'd, I think we'd be astonished Maybe even delighted how much our healing process would grow, how much we could recover from the suffering by loving God through the suffering. Now stay with me with that thought. Because our hearts, our hearts are the greatest treasure that we have. Our hearts are the greatest treasure we've been given. Our hearts, it's impossible to love or receive love without our hearts. Without our hearts, you can't possibly dream or hope or laugh. Or or think about the future with purpose. You can't find courage without your heart. Without your heart, you'll never be happy. And guess what? The enemy knows that. The enemy knows that your heart is this great, great treasure. He knows that when you suffer, you can either distance yourself from the creator of that heart. You can isolate yourself from and against God. Or you can draw near to him. And some of us just do it in that subtle way. Some of us can do it in such a subtle way that it turns into this doubtful way of our lives. And listen to me carefully. We can't let the enemy win on that. We can't let the enemy win. We must guard our hearts with everything we've got, especially in the times of disappointment and pain. Because our secret weapon against the enemy's hatred towards us, towards the world, is love. And God, right then and there, in the midst of that sorrow, whatever that may be, he wants to meet you there. And listen, I recognize, I recognize the act of loving God can bring up a whole other gambit of emotions. It surfaces something up in us where our hearts are currently uh, trying to find our way of loving him. We may feel half-hearted in the act. We may even feel like a poser, like, okay, I'm I'm just going to go through the motions of, of loving God, even though I feel hurt and distance from him. And I would just say, can I encourage you, don't run from that feeling. Actually lean into that feeling that sort of even feels like you're faking, because it's actually good, because what you're putting to the surface is something that you're going to be able to put words to eventually. See, we've been talking about naming some specific things throughout this series as well and bringing names to it. Naming things that are blocking our relationship with God, that's an important thing to do. I'm I'm trying to practice right now. And instead of just being vague of like, God, I'm hurt right now. And he knows what that specific hurt is. But I'm trying to name that specific hurt. God, I feel hurt about and fill in the blank. 
And then I'm being very specific. Come into this specific hurt, God, because there is a feeling of abandonment. There's a feeling of numbness. There's a feeling of isolation. And because I've brought a name to that specific thing and not been so vague about, God is working through that. I choose right here, right now, in this specific thing, fill in the blank, to love you, God, to love you through that. David, as he was highlighting in the first two verses, this abandonment comes along with the next two verses, three through five. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. I love you here, God, even though I feel abandoned. I love you in this moment, God, even though I'm questioning my trust in you. I love you, God. I love you, I love you, I love you. And try it. Try it and just see what God does. See, I realize the roadblocks that could get us there is that we just need some deeper help. We need to process this in a different way. And, and maybe that's going to be a counselor. Maybe that's going to be a professional that can help walk us through those pains. Maybe it's actually just visiting with someone that's a spiritual mentor or a spiritual ally. Someone that's running after Jesus as hard as you're running after Jesus. And maybe just praying with them and talking about those things. But you bring it up. And you sort it out, and you stay in the conversation with God, and maybe while you're processing that with another person. Because we do that in marriage, if we're fighting for marriage. We do that in a friendship, if we're fighting for the friendship. You stay there, and you sort it out, and you name it by staying in the conversation with that other person. You stay present in the dialogue. You don't leave the country. You stay in the midst of that. And our intimacy with God, this heart-to-heart through the suffering, that's how he made us. That's what he made us for. And Satan hates it. Our enemy hates it. And because he hates it, that means it has to be fought for. Fight the good fight. Now, through many years here at Northern Hills, unfortunately, I've had some really difficult conversations with individuals of loss. And suffering. Part of being a pastor is entering into the pain of others. I'm afforded an opportunity where I've been able to share parts of my pain and journey that God's brought me through to where, again, I am leaning on the one. And nothing's quite like coming into contact with an individual or a family that's had the loss of a child. Here in Northern Hills, over the many years, we've had many people that have lost their children. Can't ever and would never try to put myself in those shoes of how they've navigated those losses. And yet what I can say about many of those stories, because they're not all my stories to tell here this Sunday, what I can say that in the grief, I've seen many families turn their collective hearts to God to fix their hearts and eyes on Jesus and say, we still love you, God. We still believe that you're good even in the midst of losing. We declare that you're good. And while many of us, I don't believe we can fathom that kind, many of us maybe can because we've suffered that kind of loss. I want each of us to know that in those moments where those families and those individuals are declaring the goodness of God in the midst of the suffering, I believe the gates of hell 
are shaking. I believe that the enemy and Satan are disrupted in such a way because the kingdom of heaven, it's a moment where the kingdom of heaven is coming to earth. We talk and preach a lot about that, but those are those moments because God is working in such a way because those families have been so utterly disrupted, but they've turned the enemy's weapon against him. They've said that we still love you, God, and that still love you, God, didn't come, or it still came, excuse me, with a flood of tears and emotions. But now it's not just this pithy and easy statement. We love you, God, is a declaration. And so it takes some of the anger away in the sorrow. It takes some of the bitterness away in the sorrow. There's hope. There's hope in the one who would carry them through this. And so many of us pull away. We walk through the pain alone. We walk through the suffering in isolation. And that makes the suffering all that much more lengthy, doesn't it? God wants to carry us through that. And I can report those friends that have lost children, they're healing much quicker because they chose the path of loving God. They made an offering of their suffering. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going through online. But it's not minimized because it's, you haven't maybe lost children. Your suffering matters and it counts. But I wonder if we could make an offering of our suffering and give that to God and that would be loving God that much more. We've been practicing the one-minute pause. And so I'd like you to go ahead and close your eyes, bow your heads. We've been doing this weekly as it just is about leaning into this practice of simplicity and also being very specific. The simplicity is just that it's one minute. It's one minute to have a conversation with God. And to be very specific this morning, what we're going to be having the conversation with God is leaning in to whatever the thing is whatever the reason is that you love God. I want you to name that. I want you to name that in this next minute. In loving him, name the thing, name the reason that you love God and take a minute to do that right now. encourage us this next week to keep taking one minute a day to do that very thing just simply giving the reason why you love God and I highlighted at the beginning that the outpouring the outpouring of God's love is conditional, that's intimacy that's the intimacy conversation but his love his forgiveness, his grace all of that is unconditional God wants to meet each one of you where you're at. He's running after you. He's running after you. He's consistently always looking to be the one that provides the very thing that you need to get through this life where we have the full-on assault of the dailies 
that can come our way, the daily suffering, the daily doubt. He's running after you. Let's make ourselves available to him this week. Would you pray with me? Father, we just, yeah, we lift up our hearts. We lift our eyes to you. Father God, not just to, in a pithy way say that you are kind and trustworthy and good, but to mean that with the depths of who we are. God, we choose to love you. We choose to start with the things that you've called us to love. The very things that you've imprinted on our hearts that just <laughs> wire us for sound and just bring joy and, 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 and purpose and meaning. Help us to love what, what you love and what you love for our lives. And then, Lord, as we continue looking to love you, help us to love you in our suffering. Just like King David did, Father God, just like he made the declaration that while I feel abandoned, Lord, you have still purposed this nation. You have still come to make a way. You have come to save each and every one. Father God, may we, whatever we're filling in the blank with our suffering, may we follow that up in, in being very specific of what the thing is that hurts, that makes us long for you more, makes us want to understand where you're in that more. But may we also follow that up, God, with simply that you are good. You are a good, good God. And so we celebrate that goodness this morning here in prayer and here in song as a collective. We love you, God. We say we love you with deep meaning and we pray this in your great name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.